Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It podcast. I am Ray Ray, and before we hit the episode where Dave and I talk with Rob Phillips about what every Christian should know about Satan, I wanted to remind you guys about the Abolish Abortion Missouri rally that is put together by Abolish Abortion Missouri. Um, it is going to be at the state capitol because it's a rally at the state capitol right, at uh, 201 West Capitol Avenue, Jefferson City, Missouri, February 9th, 2022 from 1 to 3 p.m. And you can go get a little bit more information and sign up for emails and all that kind of stuff if you go to www.abolishabortionmo.com. Com. And if you have been a part of this, you can go back in our backlog. We've talked with uh, Wesley Scroggins, who runs this. Um, again, the Abolish Abortion Missouri Rally, February 9th, 2022. Be there from 1 to 3 p.m. We will um, have some speakers. We will sing songs. We will pray. We will call our magistrate to repent with us and uh, abolish abortion immediately without exception or compromise. That's what we're calling for, not incremental steps. We are done. We must repent from those and call for the immediate end of, uh, of abortion here in the state of Missouri. Uh, so when we come here to the rally, um, I will be speaking. We'll have Senator Mike Moon. We'll have Josh Jenkins. We'll have Kevin Myers. We'll have Brandon Dodd. And we'll have Pastor Brett Baggett. Um, which is uh, from Muskogee, Oklahoma. So we've had him on the show. We've had Brandon Dodd on the show. We've had Kevin Myers on the show. We've had Josh Jenkins on the show. Of course, I'm on the show. And um, again, we've talked about Senator Mike Moon and we've talked about SB 699. Please um, come out to the state capitol on February 9th, 2022 from 1 to 3 p.m. And let's call for the immediate end of abortion in the state of Missouri and pray for our civil magistrate to repent and pass this legislation. With that said, Soli Deo Gloria. All hail the power of Jesus, name let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal Welcome, everybody, to the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And we've got who on the line with us today? Rob Phillips from the Missouri Baptist Convention. Yes. So uh, if you don't know, you, he's been on this podcast before, and uh, we have rubbed shoulders uh, live in the past together. Um, we did not make it a tradition yet and so we skipped a year so we're gonna have to do it another three years in a row to make this a tradition um but we had the past a uh, couple of summers uh went up to jefferson city where the uh missouri baptist building is where rob is that where you're at right now rob that's correct yes all right so it's a big big building you can be at we got to go he's at the very top too so we got like a top level exec dude on our show from the missouri baptist anyway so but, but no windows so you can't no. look down at the capitol from here yeah but uh <laughs> you know you know there's uh you, you get the chance to go out there all the time it's just passe you know folks from springfield you know we go up there and go whoa look at all this stuff you know <laughs> it's just every day for you but anyway um so yeah we didn't get to make it tradition but also this book um when did this uh you wrote a book um what every christian should know about satan here's the little picture here when did uh, this uh actually uh get published that came out i believe early summer of 2021 
Okay. Early, early summer. Okay. All right. So maybe we could have still done our traditional thing, but things uh, definitely got cut up on uh tag your in or our end anyway. So we couldn't do it. But anyway, right now we have Rob Phillips. So, you know, let's uh, do our normal thing. Let's uh, talk about uh, your work and everything on the uh, new book, what every Christian should know about Satan. Great. All right. Well, um, should I start by reintroducing myself? Yes, a little bit? please reintroduce yourself. Yeah, I was We're actually waiting. Excited. Yeah, I was kind of like looking at oh, Dave there. Oh, Adam yeah. was waiting on me. <laughs> yeah. So, so again, just for everybody out there, we are on Zoom now. So Dave is in Lynn Valley, Kansas. I'm in Springfield. We've got Rob up in uh, Jefferson City. So, I mean, this is something still. Uh, new to us. And so we're not really, uh, I'm used to working with Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm really used to like having his mannerisms in the room with me. So <laughs> I'm sitting here like looking at the screen going like, is Dave going to talk? I'm seeing his face, uh, but it's a little small. <laughs> so Sorry about the same that. Thing, but yes, uh, Rob, uh, just, uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Um, not everybody uh, sees you and sees us together and all that kind of stuff, especially with our podcast. So yeah, please uh, just, uh, just give us a quick, um, reintroduction of yourself so that uh, any sort of new listeners uh, can get to know you. Well, sure. Well, thanks for having me on the show. It has been a while, but I always enjoy it. And I appreciate uh, you giving me this opportunity. Um, I serve as the director of ministry support for the Missouri Baptist Convention. And ministry support is really the behind the scenes group. We support our ministry groups with graphic design, videography, uh, web and social media, um, IT services, and things like that. Um, but my favorite part of the job is uh, the part where I serve as uh, directing the apologetics ministry for the Missouri Baptist Convention. So I have the opportunity to do that. I get to write a regular article in the pathway dealing with apologetics issues. Um, I get to go to a number of our churches and either speak or lead apologetics workshops. And uh, I have the privilege from time to time to have a book uh, published like the one on what every Christian should know about Satan. Well, and one thing real quick, Rob, uh, I noticed that this book was published through High Street Press, and you all recently released a, another one of the books as an audiobook. I think it's what everyone should know about uh, the afterlife, right? And that was released through High Street Press. Uh, tell me a little bit about High Street Press, just because we know you're just getting out, the word out on it. And uh, is that something that you're involved in? How does that work exactly? Yeah, we've produced uh, books and other resources for a number of years through what we call the Missouri Baptist Press. And uh, Dr. Yates, our executive director, really felt like we should have a name that uh, maybe appeals to a broader audience because not just Missouri Baptists would be interested in these apologetics resources. So we did some research and uh, came up with the name High Street Press. Our Baptist building is located on High Street in Jefferson City. And uh, so High Street Press is really our publishing imprint. And we launched that about a year and a half, two years ago. And just January 1st, uh, opened up High Street Press to other authors. So we actually have a web portal. If you go to highstreet.press, highstreet.press, you can learn more about the books we offer and what our imprint is about. And if you're an author 
especially a Missouri Baptist author who's interested in publishing through High Street Press, you can fill out an application, upload some chapters. And we have a gentleman by the name of Gary Ledbetter, who is the retired uh, editor of the conservative state Baptist paper in Texas. Uh, He is our senior editor, and he's the one who evaluates manuscripts for us and shepherds them through the process. So High Street Press is fairly new as a name, uh, but it continues and hopefully expands what we started with Missouri Baptist Press. Excellent. I'm glad I wanted to make sure that we got that opportunity out there. I didn't get it in my notes. So thanks for being prepared. <laughs> yeah, We're all about uh, plugging everything. And, you know, we have our Baptist and Reform thing that uh, we started, but it's definitely uh, not at the same level as a high street or whatever. But, uh, you know, that's we're not here to compete, but uh, we've all uh, built little things here and there so that we can all get the gospel out. So, you know, um, images, imprints, uh you know, labels, whatever, um, they're, they're useful tools, uh, but there's nothing to get bent out of shape over. So we're definitely, um, willing to, you know, just to, you know, the, here's another, uh, publisher, um, to get some really good resources from, cause that's what this time, this is what podcast is all about. Not just, uh, talking at you, um, but making sure that, um, there's just, again, like the knowledge of Jesus Christ is going all over the world. And this is how these are little means and tools um, to that you guys can go to just to get uh, maybe a fresh perspective or, um, you know, just the gifts of another person. Um, so you're, you're not just having to go to like um, the same, the same trough all the time. Uh, there's multiple troughs uh, to draw from as uh, God works in the hearts of his people all over the world. So, yeah. So uh, check out yeah, high street press and um, you know, you can check out Baptist and reform with our one book that we have so far, but we got some more coming and you know, that news will crop up whenever it happens anyway. So, but yeah, anyway, uh, you know, get, getting to your book. Um, so we've had you on, um, whatever Christians should know about, uh, salvation that you wrote. And um, we talked about, uh, Jesus before Bethlehem that you wrote. I think that's the two that we have talked about with the show, um, and, and Trinity. Yeah. We, you have the, whatever Christians should know about the Trinity. And so we've talked about those. So, um, after those three books, cause that's pretty much your, those, those are the three recent books that you've written, right? Right. Okay. And so, uh, you know, so we're talked about salvation. We've talked about Jesus before Bethlehem. We've talked about the Trinity. Okay. Why a book on Satan then? Like why, you know, why'd you go that direction? Yeah. Well, um, you know, I think it was C.S. Lewis who once warned against two extremes when it comes to Satan. Um, one extreme is that you, uh, minimize him or even deny his existence and go about your life as if there is no such being as him. But the other extreme he warned against was taking an unhealthy uh, interest and over-interest and ascribing to Satan more power and influence Mm -hmm. than he really deserves. And neither of those extremes is very helpful. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to uh, do a study that uh, produced really um, a biblically faithful and a biblically balanced view Um, of the evil one, with an emphasis really on focusing on a number of his different names and Mm. titles, because those names and titles for Satan tell us a lot about his character and his tactics. Mm. And so that was really the approach I felt it was most helpful to me as I went through the study. And I didn't see a lot of book length treatments that dealt with names and titles of Satan. So I thought it might be a little bit of a unique approach. Oh yeah. So, so you're like uh, saying like, this is more of like a, a systematic 
approach and, and, and looking at those things. So would you kind of compare it to like, you know, just a little piece of uh, systematic theology? So, I mean, it's, it's thick, you know, and if, uh, you know, if you look on my screen anyway, and kind of right by that, you see the, the uh, catechism question in the yellow there, that's, that's John frames, <laughs> you know, systematic, that's a huge book, but you know, this, is pretty thick too about just Satan. So, you know, um, whenever you're getting a hold of what Rob is talking about, you're getting kind of multiple books um, about one subject. So, you know, it really can, you know, he's taken systematic theology, but the great thing is, is the language that he uses, the way that he teaches, it's something that, you know, you pick up frame and you're going to probably like your head's going to explode a little bit. And then you go to like his teacher, Cornelius Van Til, and you're really going to want to just blow up and not exist anymore because it's hard. Um, but, you know, Rob Phillips is really good about um, making it just a good level um, playing playing field for those in the pews and those in the pulpits and stuff like that. So, you know, here's how you can get your systematics in, um, you know, utilizing um, what Missouri Baptist are putting out for Missouri Baptist um, for the edif edification from the saints anyway. So that's, that's really uh, cool. I've got frames book and it is very helpful, uh, but you have to take it one chunk at a time because it's pretty deep. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so now you get to take Rob Phillips, Rob Phillips, one chunk at a time with a, every consecutive book that he's, he's putting it out, but uh, you know, hopefully you'll get a hold of Rob Phillips and then you can get into stuff like that and, and go deep, but yeah. So that's a wonderful view. So it's a very, so you're saying it's a systematic approach uh via the names and titles um that reveal who you know his nature his activities and destiny and yes i've got a barking dog for you guys to listen to <laughs> in the back there well rob one of the things that i i mean i just had a conversation with a guy from my church on saturday about the doctrine of satan so obviously this is a very timely book one of the things that i think is probably taken for granted and help us out a little bit on this. Um, who is Satan and, and why does that matter? I know you talked about Lewis there in that quotation, but again, why is it important that we even know who Satan is? Uh, how does that impact the average Christian? Yeah, well, Satan, according to scripture, is a created being and uh, perhaps uh, a fallen angel, uh, perhaps a seraph or a cherub, perhaps some kind of heavenly being, but no doubt created with great beauty, great power, great intelligence, great influence, uh, and great insight. And then the Bible doesn't say when or how or where, but at some point between the creation of the universe and his appearance in the Garden of Eden, uh, Satan rebelled. And he led an angelic host uh, to rebel with him. Now, the first time we come into contact with him is in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. He just shows up and he's described as the serpent. And he deceives Eve. Um, Eve uh, influences Adam, who deliberately disobeys God. And that fall introduces death. Uh, brings about a curse to mankind, curse to the created order, and even a curse uh, to Satan himself. Satan inhabits, as a result of that, inhabits the unseen realm. He's the lord of the underworld, if you will. And it's interesting, Satan appears in physical form as himself in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. And after that, we do not see Satan in Scripture 
And I don't think in reality, appearing as himself in the physical realm. So part of his curse is he doesn't get to show off his beauty and his intelligence and his power in person. So he has to do it through proxies. He has to do it through demonic forces. He has to do it with God's permission through nature or through willing human beings. And so uh, Satan inhabits the unseen realm and he, he enters the physical world only by God's permission and through secondary means like nature or willing human beings. Uh, he's powerful and he's intelligent, but he's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, and he's not everywhere present. Those are attributes for God alone, and so Satan is not God's equal. He is a created being, and though very powerful and intelligent, he is much, much less than God. Satan's goal, uh, I think, his number one goal is the murder of humanity, and Jesus says, in John 8, Satan is the father of lies. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And so whatever caused him to rise up in rebellion against God, he hates people who are created to be God's imagers. And his desire in the garden was to murder them. And in a sense, he did, because God said, if you disobey me, if you eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, on that day, you're going to die. Well, Adam lived another 800 years before he died physically, but his soul began to die. His mind, his emotion, and his will became corrupted instantly, and certainly his spirit died. He was banished from intimate, personal, face-to-face -face relationship with God. He and Eve were banished from the garden. So uh, that's Satan's goal. And uh, Peter says he still roams the earth like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He hates God. He hates God's people. Uh, but we should keep in mind he's a conquered foe. Uh, Christ came and defeated Satan's sin and death through his sinless life, his death, burial, and resurrection. And not only that, but God, Christ made it clear that a special place has been created for Satan, a place called Gehenna in the Greek or hell. The Bible describes it as outer darkness or the lake of fire, and that Satan one day will be forever banished to that special place God created for him and for uh, fallen angels and human beings who reject the grace and mercy of God uh, have chosen to spend eternity apart from God and will occupy hell with Satan as well. So Satan matters because he's real. And uh, as apologists, we're interested in truth, biblical truth. And so God has revealed the truth of the reality of Satan and that he is a true enemy of God. He's a true enemy of God's people, but he is a conquered foe. And uh, the day is coming when he will no longer be able to, to lie, deceive, uh, cheat, steal and uh, and plunder beauty power and influence are obviously not terms that we think about frequently when we think about satan and i'm glad that you touched on that and likewise that concept of satan not showing up in his true form uh but through basically intermediaries 
uh, is a fascinating concept that we often don't think about. When we jump into that idea of Satan being beautiful, powerful, and influential, though, it can almost seem a, a bit overwhelming. And so I guess that kind of brings us to that question, and it's a little bit out of order. Um, how does knowing what the Bible teaches about the doctrine of Satan influence how we carry out the Great Commission? Yeah, it's we, we have to understand, of course, we've been given the command um, to make disciples of all people. And um, as we share the gospel with others, um, it, it helps, I think, to realize that we are in, we're not in just a battle for someone's mind. We're not just trying to convince somebody to believe the way that we believe, but we're fully convinced of the truth of the gospel. And Satan is an opponent of the gospel. And so as we share the truth of the gospel, as the Holy Spirit uh, moves to regenerate that unbelieving spirit, make them spiritually alive as they move into belief and repentance. Um, it is uh, 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 over the objections of Satan. He actively works to uh, oppose the gospel, to oppose God's people. And it's interesting the way the scripture describes Satan's relationship to the unbeliever. Uh, uh, the unbeliever is blinded by Satan, Paul says. Uh, the unbeliever is uh, in bondage to Satan. Satan keeps them in bondage and keeps them captive to do his will. Mm. Um, he's, he, the unbeliever is bound. The unbeliever is deceived. The unbeliever is spiritually dead, cut off mm. by the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. And so Satan does all of this work in trying to keep what he calls his own. Um, and, uh, and in doing that, he actively not only works to keep unbelievers bound, but he works with doctrines of demons and he works with de uh, deception and he works with um, sin. If he can draw believers into sin, to ruin our testimony for God. He does all of these tactics in, a, in a, a battle in the unseen realm for the hearts and minds of people. And so understanding Satan is real, understanding he's powerful, understanding he is highly successful um, is important for us. But at the same time, it's important to know that Satan only operates uh, by the permissive will of God and under the sovereignty of God. He can only do what God gives him permission to do. Yeah, amen. So it is really important, uh, especially for the apologetically minded person, to be able to do this and, and to understand who Satan is, what his uh, work is, what he's doing, because like you said, it like this affects people. And so people are blinded by him. So, you know, and, and like you said, with he's underneath the permissive will of God. So, you know, you go to Job and you see something that Job didn't know, but we get to be privy to that information of revelation that uh, there was something going on in heaven and there is a conversation between God and Satan. So we're privy to that. Job was sitting in ashes, didn't know, and didn't know any of that. Right. You know? And so it's like, after after the fact you know like we're we're given this because god gave us that word so that we could know 
that this stuff goes on, that this isn't, you know, what you see as Carl Sagan would say that, you know, this is all, this is all there is. And it's like, no, 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 there's a whole lot more, you know, there is a, a meta, there is um, a, an overarching narrative because it's God's story and what he's working out. And so when we see all this kind of stuff, then we can actually go, okay, so this is what we need to do. People are bound, people are deceived, people are blinded. Um, then that makes sense of what happened to the Jews and the, and, and the gospels and what Jesus was talking to the Pharisees about. So like this, this whole thing opens the door to full understanding, um, of what we are to do as apologists. So, um, you know, so whenever it comes down to that, you know, we, we as apologetically, again, there's no office of apologists. This is all like when we're talking about great commission, this is what we're talking about is we're proclaiming or we're defending, but it's the same process. It just depends on what we're doing. Right. And so, um, so then what are some of the common misconceptions, you know, that's like, you're, you're doing that in this book. So this is an apologetical book. This is Rob going out there doing his great commission duty to then go, um, really almost like just it's, it's the Jesus method. You've heard it said, but I say to you, so Rob is being a, an ambassador for Christ utilizing the methods of Christ. So you derive, you derive this idea from scripture. And so, um, what are those, you know, just kind of drop a few, you don't have to give your whole book or anything, but what are, what are some of those misconceptions, um, that individuals have in regard to Satan and how do you go about correcting those issues? Yeah. Uh, before I mention that one thing I wanted to add to my previous comment is that when we talk about the great commission and apologetics and the reality of Satan, Um, It's important for us to know when we're talking to a Muslim, for example, uh, even if it's a radical Muslim, that ultimately that person is not our enemy. Hmm. And ultimately our enemy is not the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormon or the atheist, even though they hold views different from us. And even though from God's perspective, they're they're enemies of of God, Um, They're ultimately not our enemy in in the same way that Satan is. Satan is the ultimate enemy who takes captive um, people and blinds them and binds them. And so hopefully that realization, even though we might be engaged in some vigorous debates or vigorous discussions with people who believe differently from us, it's important to keep in mind uh, at the end of the day uh, that these are people created in the image of God and that Satan has bound them, blinded them, has taken them captive. And, and if we get mad at anybody, Satan should be the one we ultimately get, get angry with. But uh, you raise a good question about some common misconceptions about Satan. Let me just mention two or three that come to my mind. Uh, one common misconception is that Satan isn't real. Um, and you may have had conversations with people who say, well, yeah, I, I read Genesis and Genesis three, you got this character called the serpent who shows up. And, uh, when the curse comes, the serpent has to crawl on his belly and eat dust. And so this is the stuff out of myths and legends, you know, uh, talking snakes, you know, come on, what's this about? So that's one common misconception is Satan isn't real. He's the product of myths and legends. But if you go back and look at the original audience that Moses was writing to in Genesis, he's writing to the Israelites who spent 400 years in Egypt, where there were 
mythological talking animals. There were divine creatures. The sun was worshipped. The Nile River was worshipped. And so um, those descriptions of Satan coming as, as a serpent uh, might very well tie in their mind the, the idea that Satan is behind the evil. He's behind the paganism. He's behind the false beliefs. But also describing as, as, as a serpent really does, Moses is really more describing what Satan is like rather than what he looks like. Satan is deceitful. Uh, Satan will get down in the dirt. Um, Satan is deceptive. And um, so uh, that misconception really comes, I think, from a misreading of scripture. We don't have here a mythological talking snake. We have someone who is, is beautiful, um, who is uh, very persuasive, um, who approaches Eve, and Eve's not the least bit afraid of him. She has a conversation with him, but he's very much like a serpent in that he's deceptive and he's deadly. So that's one misconception. I think another misconception is that Satan is the opposite of God. Um, I think sometimes people think, well, you have God and you have Satan, and, and the two are equal and diametrically opposed, but that's not the case at all. Uh, Satan is a created being. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-powerful. He's not everywhere present. And um, so he's, he's not a competing god the way maybe ancient Greeks and Romans depicted the gods warring with one another. Uh, so Satan is not God's equal by, by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. He's a created being. He operates under the sovereignty of God. He does what he does only with the permission of God. And uh, he does so uh, understanding that his days are numbered and there's a place prepared for him in outer darkness. And then one other misconception that comes to mind uh, is the idea that Satan can read our minds. Um, sometimes, we, you know, you talk to people who are very fearful that Satan can read their thought process. And I don't think scripture supports that. Satan is very um, powerful. He's very knowledgeable. He's very intelligent. But he is not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. He, he can't know the future the way God knows the future. Satan, like other angels is um, or, or other created beings in the unseen realm, is, is a watcher, an observer. He watches very carefully the things we're interested in, the things that we say, the things we do, the places we go. And I believe he can, he can place thoughts before us. But like James says, we fall into sin when sort of Satan puts that thought out there and we grab hold of it and we pursue it to our detriment. And that's why Paul tells us we should take every thought captive uh, when Satan puts that thought there. We need to acknowledge it comes from Satan. We need to resist him and we need to um, uh, plead really the blood of Christ to keep us from that. So uh, Satan can do a lot in our thought process, but I don't believe scripture supports the idea that he can read our minds. Hmm. You know, yeah, that causes me to kind of jump back just a little bit in some of our questions. And you've organized this book through the 
terms that scripture uses to describe Satan, which are essentially attributes of Satan, um, what are some of those really key terms in understanding who Satan is, by the way, the language of scripture um, describes him? Yeah. Well, I, I focused on uh, a little over a dozen names and titles for Satan, certainly not all of them. Um, but let me just cover a few of those. Um, certainly the most common name uh, for him is, is Satan, but that's not actually a name. It's a title or it's a descriptor. Uh, the Hebrew word Satan, spelled just like Satan, really means um, adversary. Um, and it's interesting in the Old Testament, that term Satan or Hosatan, the uh, adversary, um, sometimes applies to human beings. For example, uh, uh, King David is described as an adversary uh, in at least one place. And uh, so is uh, Abishai. Uh, described the same way. So sometimes humans, and it doesn't really show up in the English translation because it'll say this person was an adversary or this person stood against this other or this person accused somebody else. But sometimes it, uh, the, the Hebrew word satan is used to describe human beings. Sometimes it's used to describe beings who inhabit the unseen realm, who we would know as Satan or the evil one. Um, you know, for example, in, uh, I think it's in Zechariah chapter three, where um, uh, 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 the accuser, Satan, stands before the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and the high priest Joshua to accuse them. And of course, in Job one and two, we see the Satan uh, come and accuse, make actually accuse God of being unfair and then accusing Job as well. Uh, and then, so sometimes it refers to human beings, sometimes it refers to those in the unseen realm, but there's one instance in the book of Numbers where the pre-incarnate Christ, the angel of the Lord, is described in that term. And the English translations usually refer to him as, um, in the verb sense, as opposing the false prophet Balaam. And then, remember that story, Balaam's riding his donkey, uh, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord and swerves. Balaam gets mad and beats the donkey. It happens again. He beats him again. The third time, the donkey just gives up and falls to his knees before the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord there is described as one who opposes Balaam. And that opposing is a verb form of Satan. So, um, uh, the, the context has to help us understand mm -hmm. that. But now when we get to the New Testament and the use of uh, Satan, um, we, it, it's very clear, the Greek is satanus, and it's very clear there that that is referring to a single adversary or a single accuser. And the New Testament lets us know that's the same accuser as the serpent mm -hmm. in the garden. And so it is Satan. So that was really a fascinating thing for me to learn is that that in, in the Hebrew in the Old Testament, that title or that descriptor, Satan or Satan, uh, doesn't always refer to the evil one, but it often does. But when we get to the New Testament, it's much more clear. So that's, you know, Satan. That's one of the more popular ones or one of the more common ones 
that we uh, we use. Um, another one um, is the serpent. And we talked about that a little bit in Genesis 3, where the first time we encounter Satan, he's described as a serpent. Uh, we know from what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11 and what the Apostle John writes in Revelation, that they, both Paul and John, identify Satan as that serpent in the garden. So we know for sure that uh, that is an accurate description of Satan. And that term serpent um, really, uh, I think, is used to describe more of what Satan is like rather than what he actually looks like. Satan doesn't look like a snake. He doesn't look like a crocodile. Uh, if he looks like anything, he appears as a beautiful angel of light. So serpent is an interesting one, and we find it especially uh, being repeated in the New Testament in the writings of Paul and in uh, particularly Revelation in the writings of John. Uh, another one is the dragon, and we see that most, uh, most often appearing in the book of Revelation, where John describes uh, Satan as the dragon. And while the serpent is a term that reply, replies mostly to the, the cunningness of Satan, to his deceptive nature, when he refers to the dragon, that really refers to the, the destructive power of Satan. And uh, we know that uh, Satan doesn't look like um, a smog. Uh, he doesn't, uh, uh, in the movies, he, he doesn't look like uh, the other creatures we see, like in Game of Thrones and that sort of thing. Um, and he doesn't fly around with, uh, with wings and horns on his back and all of that. But again, John uses that imagery to tell us what Satan is like. He is a, he's a destructive being. And um, he is very much like Peter describes as a, a lion roaming the earth, seeking whom he can devour. So the dragon is really an interesting one, I mm. think, um, that's used to describe him. But there are many, many other names that uh, describe him in scripture. Um, uh, he's the father of lies. He's the originator of lies. We don't see lying anywhere in scripture until Satan shows up and lies. Uh, he's a murderer. He's a deceiver. Uh, he's described as Beelzebul or mm -hmm. Beelzebul, the prince of demons. Um, and he's described as the evil one. And uh, so there's a lot of different names and titles that are used to describe what Satan is like. But it's interesting, we often um, depict Satan as this hideous looking creature in uh, red scales uh, with horns, um, a tail, and uh, holding a pitchfork. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, where that really came was in the Middle Ages where there was teaching about Satan and the conclusion that Satan, Satan's pride led to his fall. And so one of the things that came out of that was coming up with disguises that would make fun of Satan, would make him look like a hideous creature, that that would hurt Satan's feelings. And uh, that's according to R.C. Sproul, who did some history on that. I thought it was very interesting. And so that's where that imagery comes from. But in fact, scripture depicts him really as uh, an angel of light or a beautiful being, which is much more dangerous. You're going to be afraid of a fire-breathing dragon and run away 
but someone who's very attractive and very alluring, uh, you're going to be attracted to that person. You're going to listen to that person. And so Satan is much more dangerous as a beautiful angel of light than he is as a snake in the grass uh, or a dragon. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's uh, initially whenever you get down into our realm, that whenever you talk about the Antichrist and, you know, who is an Antichrist and they, you know, they, they reject Jesus coming into the flesh. They've come in, they've, then they've left us and then they go off and try to pick apart, you know, uh, like the weak in the group. And, and so they're acting just like their father, the devil, the evil one, Satan, you know, however you describe it, but yeah, I just, it's, it's a wonderful uh, thing to do uh, instead of deconstructing your faith and just like doing the same thing where we've made up this imagery of Satan and we've imagined it's almost like deconstructionism is like a reimagining, destroying this imagination that I've done. And then they're making a new imagination. Like you don't have to deconstruct. You just have to go to the Bible and uh, do what Rob Phillips is doing here going, let's interpret scripture with scripture. Let's don't leave the scriptures. And then whenever you have reconstructed some ideas based on scripture, you haven't like exploded. You haven't left but you have a more solid understanding. And I think that'd probably be, um, you know, just another apologetic thing that we can, can add to this. You know, people, again, they want to, they've had something imagined that they've straw man themselves and believed, and then they make another straw man to attack this straw man. And then they just totally explode. And then we've got just another imaginary weird Christianity flying around versus going, you know, I have, I've have had wrong ideas that were given to me by pop culture and then I have went to scripture and yeah, the scripture destroyed what I thought the scripture was teaching because other people said certain things, you know, this is even Paul, you've heard the antichrist is coming, but I tell you, he does that same kind of move going, the spirit's been, the spirit of antichrist has been in the world. It's among us now. Um, here's, uh, what they, here's the definition. It's not Paul, it's John, um, excuse me on that, but, uh, you know, it's in the world now. Um, it's been with us. Uh, this is what it looks like. And here's how you can tell what an antichrist looks like. And so there's a definition there, which totally destroyed what I had. Um, so I didn't, I, I deconstructed a straw man, but I was still rooted in the faith. I was still rooted in scripture through that. And so I've had, I've done that on many occasions with many little parts and pieces that I've had to put together into the total of biblical theology of understanding these things. So again, um, you know, I would advise you to read a, a book like, like this to, you know, who is Satan? What do you, what do you believe now and how can scripture correct that? Or are you already correct? And you can go like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, like I've studied well, my pastor has taught me well, my community's taught me well, we've learned this well. Um, you know, and that's how we mature in the faith in that. Um, but yeah, thank you again for all the information that, uh, you know, that you've, you've given us here on our podcast about your book. And I know that there's a whole lot more that, um, we'd be able to read in the book on that. Uh, but, uh, with this doctrine, this is what I really want to get to, you know, we've, we talked about defense, we've talked about all these little things, um, on what we do, but like for the person themselves, the believer themselves, we might not think about there's hope in knowing this there's hope. And so what is the hope that the believer can gain through stuttering, studying the doctor, the man, I am, I'm stuttering <laughs> but anyway, but um, what kind of hope can we have as believers when we study the doctrine of Satan? Yeah, that, I, that's a great question. Cause there is hope 
when we uh, study Satan scripturally. And at its very core, we can understand that even though Satan is very powerful, very influential, he is a defeated foe. Um, it reminds me uh, back, you guys were just little kids at the time, I'm sure, but the Gulf War, when Saddam Hussein was driven out of Kuwait, uh, he was soundly and quickly and decisively defeated by the uh, coalition forces. But leaving Kuwait before he left, he had his soldiers set on fire the oil fields of Kuwait. And they burned, I think some of them burned close to a year, maybe over a year, and created tremendous uh, ecological damage there and, and economic damage. And there was no reason for him to do it. He was a defeated foe running for his life, but he wanted to create havoc on the way out. He wanted to leave his mark in some way. And that's, to me, kind of the way that Satan is. Uh, he, he's a defeated foe, uh, and he, he has to know he's a defeated foe. He has to know his time is short, but he's going to do as much damage as he possibly can uh, before he's cast into the lake of fire. But uh, we can take hope in knowing that he is a defeated foe. Uh, we can also see how Satan's influence is being systematically reduced hmm. over time. For example, uh, the curse in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Satan is banished to the underworld. Uh, he is not walking freely around in physical presence the way he did uh, in the garden. So he's, he's confined in that sense. Uh, we see that a time is coming when Satan is cast out of heaven and he's thrown to earth for, a sh for and he, he says his time is short. And so he's very angry. And then we see in the book of Revelation, at the return of Christ, that Satan is cast into the abyss or the pit where he's confined for a period of time. And then after he's let out for a short time, he is then cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. So Satan's influence, his domain continues to get squeezed down and minimized. God is systematically doing away with the evil one. And even though he can do great harm to believers and unbelievers alike, he is a defeated foe. And we can take hope in knowing that one day uh, he is going to be cast out. We can also take hope in knowing that Satan operates under the permissive will of God mm -hmm. and under the sovereignty of God. Satan cannot do anything to us that God does not permit. And he certainly can't tempt us beyond what God permits, because Paul writes, 1, Timothy, or 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that there's no temptation that's come upon us that's not common to all men, but God uh, is faithful. He will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear, but he always gives us an avenue of escape. And so uh, operating under the permissive will of God and the sovereignty of God uh, Satan is limited in what he can do and ultimately will be defeat, ultimately be cast into the lake of fire, tormented night and day for an ever, ever and ever. And that should give us hope. Um, we're, we're told that we are going to face trials and tribulations and persecutions in this life. Jesus basically told us that and to get used to it and to deal with it. But the day is coming 
when all of the effects of the curse are going to be reversed and Eden will be restored, that intersection between the unseen realm that God inhabits, the physical world in which we live will come together. God's throne will come down to a renovated heaven and earth. We'll have face-to-face -face intimate fellowship with God, just as Adam and Eve did before the fall. Well, Rob, I so appreciate the way you dove into the doctrine of Satan and you unpacked it for us, but it reminds me a little bit, though, as I thought about the book and the process that you went through in writing it, it reminded me just a little bit of when I was reading Grudem's Systematic Theology, and he talks a little bit in some of the notes there about being cautious when you study the doctrine of Satan because it can be discouraging. And as I went to teach in my doctrine class at First Baptist Buffalo, when I was there uh, about the doctrine of Satan, I actually dealt with what I felt was like some spiritual opposition. And so my, my question is, as you dealt with this book, was that something that you kind of went into? Because studying the doctrine of Satan can be kind of discouraging in a way. Uh, how did you deal with that? If you dealt with that kind of maybe spiritual oppression? Uh, I know here we're, we're Baptist and we don't really usually speak about that kind of thing. But was there ever like a point where it's like, oh man, wow, I've got to step away from this. And, and how did you deal with that if you had something like that occur? Yeah, I, I think there were times when, um, as I discovered more about Satan and his activities, uh, that it it was troubling and discouraging. Um, I think what I faced more uh, more commonly was just some day-to-day uh, -day barriers in trying to work through this. I was trying to finish up uh, the book uh, during COVID, oh. and uh, so there was a lot going on at that time. We were all, uh, you know, uh, working remotely and trying to take care of things like that. And then when I was getting near the end of the book, uh, my wife fell down our basement stairs and uh, dislocated and shattered her ankle and uh, had to have a number of, of surgeries. And, uh, and other things came up that I kind of saw as distractions at the time, um, but uh, not trying to put too fine a point on it. I, I think that was maybe some ways that Satan was, was trying to discourage this. And so I, I tried to keep a fairly level head about it and stick with what scripture taught and what good reliable commentaries taught about it. But it's really hard when you're, when you're studying that deeply about something like that, uh, not to be somewhat spiritually vulnerable. And so I think it's probably important as, as a caution to those who might read this book or other, other things uh, to make sure, first of all, you're grounded in scripture. Uh, start there. That is the place to begin. And then you can get helpful commentaries and helpful uh, other, uh, other things that, uh, that support that um, and, and balance it with other things. I didn't, uh, I didn't just throw everything else away to focus in on this study. I kind of did it uh, around other things as well. So I had good Bible teaching and good other things surrounding the work while I was working on this book. And I, I think that helped me keep it in perspective. Hmm. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, you've always got to teach, you know, preach the gospel to yourself when you, whenever you're doing anything, 
really. But yeah, it's like it's kind of like the same idea of whenever I was uh, understanding like the atheistic worldview and the implications of what that is, and felt like just totally empty. And that was a very discouraging thing. So I'm just, you know, trying to get into the head of an atheist or at least what it should be. And really it worked out to my benefit to go, well, this is what I try to push on them. This is your worldview and it's an empty one. And I got to experience that worldview, like thinking about it and just the emptiness and, and all that. So, you know, whenever you come into contact with, you know, what is the evil one doing, right? We should actually probably be put in a state of like, what would that be like? What would it be like to be a creature that was so rebellious that, you know, God, God in his infinite wisdom and, and who he is, like he did not choose to save any of them. He cast them all out. Mm-hmm. And, but we get to rejoice in the fact that the sons of Adam get salvation by God's grace. So grace can't be demanded. So, you know, Satan can't be here. Like you're a bad God for not offering me this, that you gave to these humans that you made over here. But the fact that if we do study, that's another piece of hope. Um, I hope that uh, we can understand when we study this. Um, and that's another, in my studies of Satan and just the understanding of like, why did God choose the sons of Adam, <laughs> you know, and why did, why did Christ become like the sons of Adam to save them? You know, and it's all, you know, God's sovereign choice. And then I, all I can sit back is, and say is thank you. And that's all I can give to God. And that's all he asked for, you know, and, and a life devoted to him. So, you know, there's, you can get despair, but then you get to that point and you're just like, thank you. And then you're great. And then you have gratitude and all that stuff. So, but yeah, thank you again for your, all your work on this uh, book and just the continuing, that continuing issue that you study many issues and that you are around to equip the saints. Um, you're not just, you know, again, like just with other things that I have to say, you're not a one trick pony. You're out really just trying to help people and help, uh, especially Missouri Baptists that will have a lot more, I guess, we, we are aware of your stuff, you know, in, in Missouri, and I'm sure it gets around other places, but I know your focus is for the church here in Missouri as a Missouri Baptist. And like, you're going out of your way to contribute and, and try to help. So there's no, there's no excuses. Um, you know, with the lay crowd, you know, we have cooperative program dollars that are going to fund this stuff to then, you know, if you're really hurting i'm sure you know you go to the missouri baptist be like i really want that book i'm gonna say that you're gonna get it you know <laughs> you know like that's Absolutely. how gracious and and awesome um that this stuff is it's you know this is how baptists take care of each other we got that cooperative program money going on and um if you need a resource we have you know missouri baptists have resources and you will get resources all you have to do is ask you don't have because you do not ask <laughs> so, you know, if this is something that, um, you know, you can, wh- where can we go um, to get this book for one? Where, where could you send people? Yeah, you, uh, you can go to highstreet.press and you can look at all the books we have to offer. And there's a, 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 a link where you can order. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. Um, I believe you can get it from other booksellers as well, but certainly Amazon. And if you're wanting to do a study at your church or small group and you want to get quantities of the book, um, you can reach out and call or email me at the uh, Missouri Baptist Convention, and we will provide those at a deeply discounted cost and ship them directly to you. Mm-hmm. Well, Rob, yeah. you are always working on numerous projects. 
Um, what are some of the things that we should look forward to seeing from you in the near future? Well, I, um, I'm starting work with, uh, with Don Hinkle's permission. Don is uh, editor of The Pathway, and he's good enough to allow me to have an apologetics column in uh, every issue. And uh, you may recall, because you guys were at the annual meeting in October mm-hmm. in Branson, and one of the resolutions was, was that encouraging our pastors um, to uh, support and teach the Baptist faith and message. Our, yes. our doctrinal statement as Southern Baptist. And so in conversation with Don Hinkle, um, I'm starting to work on a series of columns that'll start, I think, in April that will um, will go through um, the different um, articles in the Baptist Faith and Message, provide some uh, a brief explanation of those doctrines. And then our hope, uh, once we finish that, is to put it into a book format that will have study questions at the end and that sort of thing. So we'll have a book length resource for pastors and lay people to use to help teach the core doctrines of the Christian faith that Southern Baptists embrace and that are articulated in the Baptist faith and message. So I'm real excited about that. Uh, We're just getting started on it, but uh, I'm hoping we'll have that well-developed by the end of the year. Well, Man, that's, that's outstanding. Awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. grateful yeah, for that. Especially because uh, I think in the resolution is also getting into the history behind the Baptist faith and message too. So it wasn't just teaching that, but I think uh, if I remember correctly, we had like an amendment or something that happened that we uh, all voted on was teaching the history mm-hmm. of of like, so, you know, the Baptist faith and message just doesn't create itself. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention didn't create itself. Uh, there's a lot of history that's gone into it. You know, that's why I'm wearing my 1689 hat. You know, that, that there's, that's history that goes into um, whenever we get down to the Southern Baptist forming and, and all that. So there's, there's a lot of going on. But here's the great deal. And this is what kind of attaches us to our next show that will be available next week, catechism. So, you know, like teaching your kids. And so these are wonderful things, um, um, knowing like how, how you can have a confession, like the Baptist faith and message. I might be utilizing confession might be too strong of a word for some Baptist. I'm not afraid <laughs> of it. I love it. I'm glad we confess our faith. Um, but you know, the things to be believed, um, by us who come together and, um, you know, support, uh, mission together. Um, so, you know, it's, it gets down to catechesis. We can teach our kids from these, you know, cause it's, it's a mini and you know, 69 is pretty big compared to, um, the baddest faith in the message, but still there's deep truths in there that you can utilize that to teach your kids yeah. um, and, and teach others, teach one another. And we can come together on this. This is our unity. And uh, this is what keeps us together. And so we can preach to one another whenever we do have some squabbles, we can be like, well, we kind of have a document together that we both like. So <laughs> let's hold each other to it, you know, um, and, and love one another through it. But yeah, that'd be awesome. So whenever you get a date for that, you let us know. And uh, we got to get up to Jefferson City, or at least I got to get up. And then Dave kind of goes like over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing both of you guys. Well, Rob, yeah. me too. Let me just end with uh, giving you one opportunity. You know, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, things going on in the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network and uh, maybe some things that are planned ahead. Uh, any big, big plans going forward? Well, we do have, of course, the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. It's been around for several years. We have about 20 or so uh, folks who are in the network, men and women, 
uh, ministry leaders, pastors, and lay people. Um, and uh, I'm real excited about their er so many areas of expertise, um, uh, different approaches to apologetics, which you and Adam are really, really good on. Uh, we have a former atheist uh, who's now extremely evangelistic and on fire uh, for the Lord. And that People was our last are, episode, by the way, just to put a plug in. So we had Roger on the show, right. you know, right. on the, that was the last episode. Yep. We have a former Jehovah's witness. We have people who are experts in Mormonism and uh, other false belief systems. And so we just have really a good mix of uh, pastors and lay persons um, who are available to speak and available to teach. Uh, Will Hoffman, who's a pastor just north of Jeff City, uh, and Gabe Zalea are our current officers. And uh, I know that they're talking about our upcoming annual meeting in October and uh, that um, we'll have our booth in the exhibit hall again. And they're talking about some other activities around that. So a lot of good things. You can go to mobaptist.org and you can just type in the search bar apologetics network. It'll bring you to the page and you can see who those 20 or so members are. You can learn more about them and you can invite them to your church to speak. Hey, and you even let a guy who's Kansas, Nebraska convention of Southern Baptist uh, join you all in me. That's, that's right. <laughs> I got to get are. you all my updated stuff, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dave, uh, this isn't your guy. Anymore. This is my guy. Rob's my guy. <laughs> I'm still, I stayed in Missouri. <laughs> so, too bad <laughs> but yeah thank you uh, again rob for everything that you, you you continue to do and just the fact that you your heart is to equip the saints and uh, i'm glad the missouri baptist have given you the opportunity and that you're taking it so it's it's a wonderful thing so guys uh, please check out the missouri baptist uh, website um, especially if you're a missouri baptist i didn't know about the apologetics network until a pastor reached out to me um, I mean, that was the same time whenever Dave was just on there, he was doing his debates, you know, the whole tag your it story, uh, but get this out. Um, because the cool thing is, is we, we might get made fun of by maybe another apologetics entity in this United States of America uh, for being a little bit more willy nilly with our lay people and not scholarship. But that's what I find the beauty in the, uh, in the Missouri Baptist is our people that study at home. And, you know, it's kind of like Dave has called me the uh, homeschooled apologist or whatever, but it's not just me. Um, you know, the spirit lives within us. And so Jesus Christ is our school. He's our school master. We learn from him. And this is a communal activity. This is the whole body working together. So that's what I love about um, the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. It's not just about scholasticism. So, you know, get to back to the Reformation, like those guys like poked the scholastics all the time, you know, and it was about the plowboy with the Bible. If you give a plowboy a Bible, he'll have more knowledge of God than the Pope ever would. That's kind of the, the attitude of the Reformation. And it, that's the Semper Reformanda of today. So that's why I love the, the picture of the Missouri Baptist Network is uh, Apologetics Network is it's, it's the body coming together and um, working together in an entity um, for the defense of the faith. And, you know, and Rob has just uh, been a gracious dude to, you know, keep that going and, and be a contact for that. And uh, so, yeah, with that said, you know, like, you know, invite me, uh, Dave, he should, even though he's a Kansan now, he should be invited to your Missouri church and be able to speak on something. And you know, Rob does his workshops and he's got his, 
you know, toolkit and all the other books that he's written that he can talk about. And then there's a bunch of other guys with, with their uh, specialties, have them over. And that's, that's basically we're, we're, we've got this website and we're just saying, let us come hang out with you, get to know you, let's love you. And uh, let's contend for the faith together. You know, let's be brothers and sisters. So again, thank you, Rob, for all the work that you've done with the uh, Missouri, the Missouri Baptist apologetics network. Great. Thanks for having me again. Good to see you guys. Thank you, Rob. We better close out the program. Yes. Yes. Well, with that said, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave. And I'm Rob. And Sully. Deo. Whoa. Excellent.